Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George, the Martin Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, and I am joined as always on this exploration of faith during this time of crisis. I know I changed it to opportunity, but I think we are in the midst of the crisis and we need to actually just accept that. I'm joined as always by Father Rodney Whiteman, the Archdeacon, the Director of our parish. Father, how are you doing? Lindsay, through the grace of God, I'm okay. I've got a little bit of um, a fuzzy head with some, um, um, what you call that, things that are blocked, nasal cavities. Oh, but I'm goodness. doing much better than I, than I was yeah, yesterday. Um, because I think with all the wind that has blown and stuff like that, you know, um, we do get... That. But otherwise, we're doing well through the grace of God. And I'm so grateful, Lindsay, that you and your family are recovering after your part in hospital this week, past week, and that you are recovered enough to be able to guide us along this um, path of exploration. We thank, thank God you, for Father. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was quite a bit of a scare. Um, after fighting off COVID, my body succumbed to the um, effects of my asthma. There was a lot of inflammation. It was pains on the chest, difficulty breathing, all those things. And luckily, I responded quickly, got into hospital, got really good care. Um, yeah, this virus is is a strange one, and it, it rears its head in the weirdest ways. And please, if you are feeling any ill effects, if you just please go and get tested, go and seek out medical care earlier is better um yeah there's there's the hospitals are amazing places people are working really hard they're fighting for people's lives the doctors and nurses are doing an amazing job it is safe you need to if you need to get the care go out and get it please turning on to the fourth sunday of the epiphany father we are moving Moving alongside Jesus as he is growing in his following, as he is kind of exploring his calling, his mission. Um, we are going a little bit north in the Galilee Sea now to Capernaum, which is a very interesting historic site because the synagogue is the main thing that they found there after centuries of digging. Um, so there is physical evidence of this story, or at least there, there was a place where the story could have unfolded, but that's in the gospel. Uh, Father, if you could get us together with the collective prayer, and then I will catch up with you after that. Thanks, Lindsay. Uh, good, after, good morning to you all. I trust that you're all well. Our greeting um, comprises a bit of the message that Psalm 111 has. So my sisters and brothers, the Lord, whose works are great and studied by all who take delight in them, is with you. We welcome you to the um, podcast, another way in which we are trying to communicate the gospel to you. Our theme this week, then, uh, in, in, in line with the gospel reading and the other readings from the Old Testament, New Testament, and Psalms, uh, is the, the resource of the collect and the theme this week is Merciful Lord, 
Your word brings healing and life. Let us now, therefore, pray together the collect for this week, remembering that we do so with the churches throughout Southern Africa, holding up various and all communities um, as we pray together. Merciful Lord, your word brings healing and life. Cleanse us from our sins. We may serve you with a quiet mind. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. Amen. Father, the gospel, as I alluded to, is according to Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So straight off the bat, Jesus has his new disciples. He goes off, starts teaching in the synagogue. There's a parallel here to when he event when he was speaking in the synagogues in Nazareth when he as a boy. And then later when he moves to Bethlehem and he starts preaching there. And there's always this idea that he's speaking with this voice of authority, like there's a, an innate understanding of the messages that he is delivering. Um, I question <laughs> the concept of authority. Like the scribes would obviously be referential and prescribe the law, whereas Jesus would then, as I understand it, be a little bit more personal with um, what he considers to be his father's teaching. Am I, am I on the right path here, Father? So one of the things that I um, learned about St. Mark's Gospel, which in a way is there, but we won't pick it up, is that Jesus... In Mark's gospel, we never told what the content of mm. his teaching was. And so uh, we do know that his foundations were was in the Torah, the Tanaka, and the prophets, the Psalms, and the history and the covenant um, of the Old Testament. Mm. So he had that, that basis. It is how he interprets that um, in a world where you had rabbis who was teaching scribes who basically, I think the argument, they would have taught the letter of the law. Mm. Jesus mm. is speaking based on the letter what the spirit of the law is. What, what is the... What is it that we need to learn from it, not just recite it word for word, mm. but what is its actual meaning uh, in, 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 in current time in our lives? So, yes, Jesus would not just be speaking to the mind to remind us what the text is, but he would also be speaking to the heart and to the life of what it means mm. for mm. our lives. So when they hear, um, or let me put it this way, when they compared the two methods of teaching, they came upon, their response was astounded, 
Why? Because he taught as one who has authority. Now, mm. the scribes mm. probably had to say, when I give you this interpretation of whatever we are teaching, I base it on what Rabbi so-and-so said. Mm. Mm. I base it on what Rabbi so-and-so said. When Jesus spoke, it was, it was beyond what the rabbi interprets. Um, there was a depth in it that they never were able to get from the earthly people, um, mm. from, the, from um, their brothers who were uh, the learned in the law. And, and probably because one is schooled in parrot form almost, mm. you know, it's very difficult to, to take the message in the intellectual processing to saying, how does this actually speak to the condition of my heart and to the condition of my life? So a lot of processing needs to happen. Whereas when Jesus spoke, I'm assuming that he spoke in such a way that the heart felt the movement, the mm. heart got mm. the message, and now it's from the heart that the brain could process whatever it is it needed to process. If you're speaking from the other way down, very difficult to process from the mind <coughs> into the heart. Um, but the challenge from Jesus is to speak from the, to touch the heart in order to speak to the mind and then to the way of life. So it is very interesting that Mark draws that com comparison that is made by the people themselves. And so even though this was an oppressed people, they had an opinion and they had a response. They had an emotional response, astounded, and they also had an interpretive response. Um, he taught with authority. Now, can you imagine years already a tension rising? Mm. Jesus speaks with authority and they're astounded. Day by day, they listened to their scribes. Because look, the, the, the synagogue I learned also was not just a place for worshipping, but a place of discussion, a place mm. where, mm. where um, themes and topics were dealt with, uh, theologically and otherwise. So um, Jesus is invited by the president of the synagogue uh, to give um, input. Uh, we don't know what it was around. And I wonder whether as we progress through this text, does, does it actually say a little bit about what his teaching was about? So that's my response to what you, you asked. Okay. okay. But there's a, I know it because it's still quite fresh in my mind because I literally came out of the hospital yesterday. <laughs> yes. Um, there's, there's this idea of, what the news of COVID is. And as it has been reported, or as it is reported in the media, which is our only access to information, there's the story of the infections and the story of the number of deaths per day. And that is obviously scientific justification for the government decisions that get made in terms of restrictions um, to try and slow the spread and then also used to try and 
wise people to what's actually happening in the hospitals, how the hospitals are being overwhelmed and how those ebbs and flows are working. Then there's the analysis of that news. And then you get many camps of people trying to prove different points, some trying to minimize um, what the virus is and other people, everyone has an agenda. And all of that analysis and all of that news that seems so important absolutely evaporates when you walk those ICU halls. The data charts and everything mean nothing. And then I start realizing that the people who are pushing that information are only trying to be right. They're not helping anybody. It's like they just have a point that they want to prove and they want to prove that they are right. And it's, it's almost like the scribes where it's like they have been taught this, they've dedicated their lives to the service of this text, and they just want to know that they understand it and read it to other people so that they can do their job. And how people hear it, like their popularity in delivering those readings, like the manner in which they speak, how, how big a crowd they can draw, like that is their measure of success, which is the same with all the internet commentators, all the media people where it's like, what are you actually doing? <laughs> You're making people too scared to go to a hospital and you're giving other people the impression that it's not as bad as it is where they are right now, hundreds of people absolutely fighting for their lives. And it's like, where, how do we navigate our world when the people crafting the message are actually obscuring the meaning. So coming back to, to what you said right at the beginning, when you said something about your problem with the word authority. Mm. In order for us to deal with um, the 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 reality of the virus and as news of it spread across the globe so it was actually spreading faster than the news what mm. one had to come down for for example i am i am responsible to interpret what i hear mm. in order for the people of St. George's and St. Mark's and St. Monica's to know what's the church's response to this and therefore the church's action. Mm. I then have to make a decision based on everything I read and hear, who are the authentic voices I must tune into? Mm. Who's got my interest at heart? And therefore, if it's my interest, then the people that I'm called to serve their interest also. Mm. And of course, I realize that everybody has something to say about everything. 
um, about this virus. Some will speak of what they've read, heard, others out of their own experiences. Mm. We've got to collate it all together, but we've got to make the decision. And I've had to do this, and in earlier podcasts we spoke about this. I had to choose to say the Archbishop and Bishop Margaret, the chapter mm. of our diocese, these are the voices I must listen to. Then wait for them to give an authentic output of whatever happens. Plus, on our on our staff on our uh, staff at the as a chapter, there's legal people who are mm. giving us mm. interpretations of how the addresses flow and what um, the legalities are. But I also realize that the president, the archbishop, and our bishop needs to be informed by the president and his council. Mm. Of course, we've got to trust that, that he's got the right people on there. Um, and also, so in terms of my reading of it, who who is the one that's authentically got our interest at heart as a nation? Mm. And and when I receive that message, what do I have to do? Mm. I have to continue interpreting what that means and and be able to say, so what is the authentic message here? But I do realize scribes are a necessary part of the process. Mm. Unfortunately, scribes, as everybody else, has got a bias. They write from a particular angle, and they also are edited in from mm. a particular angle. So really what I'm looking at um, uh, is what are the authentic voices that I've got to listen to in order to ensure that the people I'm called to serve, my family, including the congregations, they understand that masking is important wherever we are, Mm -hmm. social distancing and sanitization. And I've got to keep those things as the principles and not be confused by what is going on either side. Mm -hmm. So that is what I'm looking for as we look at this debate. What is the authentic voice that I need to hear. Mm. Where is the authority addressing this issue? And um, I think when one looks at what you shared about how hospitals have learned to manage, then one of the other things that we can now say, as you've said in your testimony earlier, as soon as you have the problem, go for the help. Mm. So that's a fourth thing that we need to say to people besides the masking, social distancing, and disinfection. If you do have symptoms that are paralyzing you, please go to the hospital. They have, have, have a, a, um, the methodology of helping and assisting people. So, mm-hmm. so that more and more we can also start looking at that part of the stats, which is recovery rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that that would be my my response because my my mother-in-law had a very wonderful way of talking about people who skinder. Mm. We all have that attitude, and she called uh, us as human beings fleiskorankis. <laughs> as soon as we hear something, many of us do not check out the authenticity of what we've heard. Mm. As a liquor story to go and tell others and to gossip, and then what happens? So, so you have what you have in America now. Over 70 million people mm. believe mm. the lies that Mr. Trump and his group is told. Mm. 
And they, today they are still not masking, social distancing and sanitizing because mm. they, don't, they believe the lie. Mm. So, so that is a, a, a lesson in point for me. Be, be careful who you listen to. Where mm. does authority mm. lie? So, so now Jesus is starting his ministry in earnest, right? But he's being very well received because he was a great orator as far as any account um, is. And then there's a gentleman who's now in the synagogue. And I, I don't like the fact that he gets called out immediately as having an unclean spirit. Because to me, he's only asking relevant questions. So he's like, here you are talking with this authority, like giving insight into this text that has never been mined before. Um, and you actually starting a political movement because of the way you are speaking, the way you are interpreting things, you giving people access to an idea of understanding and applying this message to their lives. So it's like, what have you to do with us? Like, why have you come here? It's like, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But like, why have you come? Why have you started? Why are you lighting this match? Like, what, what, is, what do you have to gain? That's how I see it. Like, I don't see him as having an unclean spirit. <laughs> but remember, this account was written after the fact. Mm. So it was a recall of this of this particular account in the synagogue. What I find very interesting is how did nobody discern that person's presence in the synagogue? So it would seem as if the unclean spirit was quite well behaved until Jesus had finished speaking. Mm. So the unclean the the, the, the reference to unclean spirit um, was there a disruption? in the normal play of things. Now, I can speak to an experience I had in one of the congregations when I was leading a midweek service. Mm -hmm. And one of the local guys who was heavily on drugs and also had about him a kind of a gangster approach mm -hmm. Came in there, running down, walking down to the altar, disrupting the service. Now again, you know, a lot of the time we meet things like this, we were never trained to do. Mm. So when your service is um, interrupted, you don't have bouncers at the door. <laughs> chuck someone like this out. Although I have an uncle who told me, if somebody came into the church where they were and didn't want to take off their cap, they would mm. literally pick him up and put him out of the church, which I think is an unkind thing to do. Mm. Why, why would the cap be an hindrance? But if, if, the word, if the translation is true and he cried out, so there was a kind of an interruption. Now, what have you to do with us? Is the us the congregation? Or mm. is the us the control of the demons that were in him. The crying out 
um, would have obviously caused a, dis a dis disturbance in the normal proceeding of things. Mm. Then you see us, have you come to destroy us? So twice he says us. Mm. Then he says, I know who you are. So us, us, I. Now, when I read that, I wondered, um, the, the, the confused state that the person is in. The schizophrenic behavior that seems to be displayed there. Mm. Us, us, mm. and I. Um, the congregation possibly did not know who Jesus is. Besides the fact that he was a very good orator and teacher. Mm. And they commended him for that. But when you read, and or oh, sorry, when I read, what have you to do with us? And they address him as Jesus of Nazareth. So we have prior knowledge to you. Mm. So it's almost mm. as if when Jesus starts his ministry, so the devil is scouting out how he's doing, where he starts from, and wants to throw in an embarrassing term. When he says Jesus of Nazareth, was he not saying something about the humanity of Jesus? Mm. He's acknowledging mm. the humanity of Jesus. Then he says, destroy. Would the people have gotten the indication that he's teaching, now very authentic, more than that of the scribes, was going to destroy who they were? If they were astounded by it, wouldn't they have brought something to them that was positive? So what was the destruction he was talking about this? Mm. So yet again, after the fact they discerned, it was to destroy the presence of evil in the world, who had um, somehow corrupted, uh, deranged, and caused this man to be sick, to operate in an unnatural way. Then he goes on to say, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Mm. Talk, talking about the, the, um, the divinity of our, of, of, of our, our Lord, the, the Messianic um, call of Jesus, the one whom God sent. And it's interesting that not even the evil powers can um, speak of Jesus in a misrepresented way. Mm. Is Jesus of Nazareth? He's the Holy One of God. They can't put anything else to him that would make people confused. Here they're even testifying that they know who he is in ways the people could not do. Mm. So I wondered whether Mark bringing this story now into a teaching context, what does the teaching of Jesus have in relation to the event of this response, this outburst, this interruption? Is it because, is the teaching's authenticity of such a nature that it's going to begin to address the corruption of the time and the devil didn't want that to happen? Was it going to liberate people 
make them empowered and free, educated enough to manage what was going on. And I wanted, I'd actually want to know, was part of Mark's intention mm. bringing these two stories together to help us see that Jesus's teaching is so, is, it was such authenticity that as it transforms us who receive the message, and I'm not just astounded by it, but we are inspired and transformed by it, we will be able to say no to evil at any level. So, for example, we then are able to even say to those who speak nonsense about COVID-19, please stop talking in a way that's going to destroy people rather than eliminate and free them. So the church must realize that in its worship and witness and its teaching, in the world, it will be encountered by those who do not want to hear what the church is wanting to say. What the church needs to say, um, not just to its congregation, but through speaking to the congregation, plow the positives into the world so that we become, uh, so that we become beacons of hope to people out there. Um, mm. And and so I wonder whether that's something we need to look at, um, and 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 recognize the authenticity of Jesus's teaching, even in addressing the evil in our society, which is what he does in the next text: rebukes it by silencing it and exercising the person. I don't know. Eh? I've been I've been on the other side of a very similar <laughs> equation <laughs> once or twice in my life. Um, I was at a youth group meeting, and there was this <clears throat> the idea that the leader <clears throat> was trying to push was that that group should mobilize and go and confront the evil that is on the streets in the community. So it's like, cool, I, I, I understand. But just, he was pushing a little bit too hard. And I mean, at that stage, I had friends on all sides of the argument and I had an understanding of like what the evil practices actually are, you know? Um, and Obviously, I have very liberal um, <laughs> beliefs and understandings about gang culture, drug culture. Like, I understand the societal. It, there's, there's, it's a bigger story than just evil, and there's not just, like, one way. But to my mind, this guy was building up to such a crescendo, and I stopped him, and I was like, listen, dude, if we had to leave here right now and go with some of these people that you are mentioning here. <laughs> like, people are going to get shot. Like, it's not going to end the way you think. <laughs> it's like, believe that God is as powerful as you want, you know? Like, believe that. But don't be stupid. <laughs> you know, like, there's other factors that you also are not understand that you, you, you're not including into this. And it's like, 
there's other ways. And this gentleman got very, very upset with me and asked me to leave and to never return and like all this. And it's in this story, I, I see a lot of parallels where it's like, this guy's raising some valid points. Where he's like, what what are you doing with us? What what is your purpose? How do you win? Like I, I understand the the purpose of the story at this time. Like I, I know why it would have been included in this edit um to kind of advance his career because they end off um on the verse 28 is at once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding regions of Galilee. So like now he's he's done a thing. He's not only made turned water into wine, he's not only called up these disciples and they just followed him. Um, he now has dealt with an uprising inside the synagogue in a public space. So it's like now your fame is there. But yeah, I I, I don't think we're ever going to get to a, a resolution. But let me ask you. Who is speaking when you hear those words? Would a would a a normal person speak what that man was speaking? Would he be the spokesperson for the us? Uh, I think at that time, any kind of dissent like that would be discouraged like there won't right. be a lot of people like sitting in church for instance there's many times where even in your sermons like you'd stay onto a topic and i'd be like <laughs> should i stand put my hand up and say you know what let's discuss this because i don't think you have the right angle <laughs> but you see what is the right angle because your angle may not necessarily be right my angle may not necessarily be right but i need to say where i am in order to come out to where mm. i need to be mm. so so the same with you what, does it sound normal to say have you come to destroy us it depends on, like the, the, again like we don't get the context of what he was saying yeah but and... why would why would people be astounded much more than they were when the daily um, um, scribes were teaching. Mm. They were moved in ways that they never were moved mm. positively. Um, why would this man be saying something on their behalf? Have you come to destroy us? Does that sound normal in, in, in this? If, if Jesus' teaching was, um, was something that they, was um, amazed people, and they could even interpret it as being or, or, or uh, having authority, mm. him having mm. authority, then above their own scribes, then this man is not speaking for them. This is mm. an abnormal mm. thing to be reflecting back at Jesus where there was no hostility coming from him, but rather uh, the responses was amazement and astounding. And, uh, you know, wow, this is... At the bottom, we hear this is a new teaching, a new way of mm. looking at some of the things that they had been hearing all the time. So for me, this is not a normal uh, conversation, a normal response to the conversation. So there was those who were astounded. Here was somebody who was, who was taking on an aggression mm. that, that wasn't in the rest. So he was out of sync with where the rest of them were and what mm. they were coming to do there. 
The next point I want to say is, um, now, now here I may actually be be criticized as a heretic, but I'm not. I'm I'm okay with that. Okay. My point of view is that when Jesus went to the cross to take upon us our sins and died for us, in the work of Jesus, all of humanity and all of creation in all of time have been saved. Yes. But if you feel that you don't want that salvation, and you choosing to go another way, um, that is your choice. Either way, there'll be consequences you will have to live with. I'm not the judge of the consequences of somebody who may choose differently, differently to me, because even in my response to Jesus as Savior of the world, I may not have a perfect and will never have a perfect response. Because I will always need to hear those, that words of invitation, let us call to mind and confess our sins. For mm. we all fall short of the glory of God, none of us are righteous. So I'm always in need of God's mercy. Now, from that youth leader, my, my understanding of the youth leader you're talking about is somebody who's saying, here inside the church, we are all saved. Those who are hanging on on the outside of the church, they are evil possessed. Well, here in the synagogue, there was somebody sitting next to the so-called religious people mm. who didn't mm. have the same spirit in them that they may have had. So before we start judging on the outside, we need to be clear on what is on the inside. And when he responded to you, it's because you're not listening to him. That's, that's, that's dictatorial. There's no authenticity in what he was saying, but there was fear. Mm. And there was judgment, and he seemed to be founded on judgment. Now, if you go on the outside and you approach the person as if they are all demons, well, you can hear from this, this words here that evil spirits are very noisy, mm. convulsing him and crying with a loud voice as they were being exercised. So you can't just go with a blind attitude and assume just because you're on the inside, you are saved. You are going to this outside to tell them they are saved. Help them to respond. Mm. Don't go out. You can't go out with a message of self, a message of salvation and good news by judging them. John chapter 3:17 says, He sent his son into the world not to condemn it but to redeem it. So the question is, those who think they are saved on the inside had better be very careful mm. that they're not assuming that their responses are so perfect and that those on the outside have not been touched by the saving work of Jesus on the cross. To imagine that would be a disaster to the church. And it's been proven over and over and over again. These were religious people. Mm. They were being soaked in the Torah. They actually saw and said the devils obey Jesus. Mm. That was a challenge to them. Would they obey him? Now, the obedience is not shown, and this is where my problem comes in with people who look at this. At once, his fame began to spread. Mm. 
Was Jesus interested in fame? Did he do this because he wanted to be famous? That was how it was interpreted. Mm. But it was the good news of God in him that needed to be proclaimed. The good news that God will complete in him when he ends his journey on the cross and when a new chapter starts at the, at the, at the empty tomb. Mm. But fame is not what Jesus was looking for. And we must be very careful in the church because this is a danger that we have. If mm. you look around how famous prophets and mm. those who are advocating that God told them this and God told them that, and they famous, that's not what Jesus wanted to embrace. We may, mm. we may want him to be famous, but that's not what Jesus was about. And we must be careful that by, by assuming his fame spread, therefore when I speak of him, I become famous. Very mm. careful because famous is what we want to be. We want to be celebrity Christians. There is no celebrity Christians. Our Lord <laughs> journeyed by foot, speaking to the common man, raising them up to be the hope for the world that he was going to, 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 to be. So I have real issues with that leader who decided you were not on the inside because you objected to his strategy. Mm. That you were rather evil, so I need to put you on the outside where the evil people are. What is, mm. there, what is good news in what he was then saying? Mm. And that's my problem. He wanted to be a famous Christian. Mm. You wanted to be a faithful Christian. Um, let's not get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, again, I, this is why I enjoy these conversations with you because, again, patently true. John three sixteen. God so for God so loved the world, He sent His only begotten Son. And then the qualify, obviously, so that anyone who seeks salvation can go through him. So it's like you have to be Christian to have access to that thing. But what is patently true if you believe that God sent his son to save the world is that that salvation was for everybody. And then the trick is to get everybody in line with that message and not assume that those who don't internalize the message immediately are lesser saved than you are. Yeah, so, yeah, I, 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 I enjoy that, that little, just that, that, that little qualifier where it's like, if, if you believe, if you are Christian, and you believe in the all-loving God, and the mercy and the salvation, that that was for every single living creature and no one is different from you. I just want to, 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 to sort of round off uh, my response to what you're saying and just round off what, what I'm saying about the text today. What does the, what's the implication in 2025 20, when Jesus says, and come out of him? Mm. Now, the devil came out of him. We are not told anything about him. 
out of whom the devil came. What are we to assume happened to him now that he no longer had been possessed by an unclean spirit? What did Jesus' words spoken over him mm. do for him? It's almost as if Mark says to us, you will find out. Continue the journey. Mm. Here you're seeing by the words that Jesus speaks, salvation is already happening. Liberation is happening within the life of a person. Mm. And he will mm. complete that, bring it to full fruition when he goes to the cross. Mm. With the final blow. So those words are hope come out of him. Jesus liberating the hims and the hers. What mm. becomes of them when his word speaks, his word brings healing and life, which is part of our theme. Mm. Yeah, we very often overlook the after effects of those sorts of actions. Um, but again, I need to conclude by saying that I do not believe in demonic possessions. <laughs> but evil is manifested. Ah, again, we are all capable of infinite good and infinite oh, evil. Absolutely. But, the, but those who choose to continue being enslaved to it, the more mm. destructive they become. I mean, I just heard um, Beryl Dean, the lady who works for the church, as provides the service of domestic uh, cleaning up of the church and mm. so on. The other day in conversation with her, uh, to find out how far the case was of the grandson who was shot early on in mm. the year. Apparently the guy that shot him in that particular week in the Kalkfontein area, mm. he had shot and killed about 21 people. Oh, wow. Part of of the shootout was also on his own maternal home, <laughs> so he's currently in in prison at the moment. Mm. What it, I mean, the question that would probably be asked, or it's one of the questions, is what possessed this young man to act in that particular way, where he just snuffed the life out of a 14-year-old boy and others. Mm. We have to sit and think about that because that's pure evil. Mm. Now, we could argue he was under drugs. I don't know. I haven't read any reports to indicate that. Um, when, I, when I looked at Beraldine and, and listened to her, in some cases it would seem as if people just learn to live alongside this. Mm. Um, mm. But that's evil. And whilst the law can deal with it on a particular level, something more needs to be done because if he is not, as it were, exorcised from that, what will he be like in prison and what will he be like out prison for those who can easily manipulate his anger issues, 
Mm. And the fact that he's become a prisoner to the deed of evil. He, he believes he has the power of life and death in his hand. I don't know. I'm I'm always um, conscious of the fact that without a sense of consequence, like there's there's always the misnomer where people are like, children aren't born evil or racist sure. or any of those things. Sure. But that's patently untrue. You learn the rules of society. Mm-hmm. And you learn the consequences of the evil actions but in a vacuum if there were no consequences to having your temper overpower you and taking another person's life it would be more commonplace i imagine because if like I, I look at 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 when dogs fight um one slip and it's a fatal thing and is it because the dog is evil or because the rules of there there are no consequences to that like what are the psychological or all these things and it's it's a it's a very dark road to (laughs) explore Um, but but I, i i'm still of the belief that that we we learn to be good that's why Jesus walked the road for us, because we don't know. Mm. And he walks the road with us so that we can know from him who is the greatest teacher that ever walked the face of the earth. Because he's both like us in terms of embracing our humanity, but he's also the one who came to be the new us. Mm the one who serves us to, to get back closer to God again. Hmm. No, I, I really appreciate um, Jesus, the teacher and the philosopher, where it's like the most effective way to live happily is for everybody to be happy. So to treat everybody with kindness and love. Um, and that's how you get the best out of of people, and yeah, that that's why I'm I'm here every week. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Thank Father. You. If you could please uh, extract a couple of other points of reflection from the prayers of the church. The first prayer that I would like us to pray today is a prayer of thanksgiving. Oh, gracious God. We praise and glorify you for our adoption as your children, for the experience of your love and interest in our lives, our confidence that you will guard and guide us in future. Based on then Jesus, who taught in the synagogue, we ask that you build up your church through godly preachers and teachers of the word, exciting our hearts to declare your glory. The text refers to Jesus, Jesus' authority awakening the people. So our prayer for our government and all leaders is that, God, you will raise up leaders of vision, 
and justice. Please sustain our president and all, pol all political leaders and leaders in other spheres of our society. Mention was made of Jesus' fame spreading throughout the region. Our prayer is, Lord Jesus, that you will draw our hearts to value integrity above image and to know our worth lies in your love. May we model our lives on you. And then in the story, we encountered a man being healed. And so, Jesus, we pray that you will give peace to all disturbed by ailments of mind, body, or spirit, especially those suffering from terminal illnesses, those suffering from the virus of COVID, and those who have recovered, um, no longer infectious, Lord, but whose bodies and whose organs and whose whole being needs constant healing. Pour out your compassionate love on them. And then, Lord Jesus, you bring life to all in the shadow of death. To all who have died, we ask you to raise them, give comfort to those who mourn. And bring us all to rejoice in your courts forever. And so into this COVID pandemic, we continue to pray, author of life, healer of the nations, give us courage to face our trial, wisdom to find relief, faith to be responsible, and grant us your salvation for Jesus Christ's sake. We continue to raise prayerful and liturgical awareness, advocacy and activism against gender-based violence and all kinds of violences. O God who spoke through the prophets of old, help us to obey your call to every nation and proclaim your justice over all forms of violence and abuse and your liberation, peace and healing for all victims. The collective prayer for our continent, remembering also the um, peoples living on other continents. We pray with all teenagers today, God bless Africa, God our children, guide our leaders and give us peace for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. And then in conclusion, my brothers and sisters, let us now go and heed God's message. Never forget God's wonderful mercy and kindness. Welcome the freedom that is won in truth. But never use our freedom to undermine others and to see that our words and actions are praiseworthy. And may God uphold you in a lasting covenant. May Christ Jesus free you from all that would harm you. And may the Holy Spirit nourish you in wisdom and faithfulness. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.
all the blessings for the week from us here at the rectory. 